Good morning. It is time to get up with a Monday night mauling. A Brock Purdy pick party as Lamar and the Ravens make an enormous statement. Plus, sigh, eagle sigh. The losing streak is over, but it wasn't easy. And Philly wasn't exactly in a festive mood. Are they any closer to solving their issues? And speaking of issues, fail to the Chiefs. Is it all falling apart for Patrick Mahomes and the champs? Oh, we've got a lot to talk about this morning here on Get Up. I am Dan Graziano. Let's go. Come on now. In for Greeny. Jeff Saturday and Santa Claus, uh, Robert Griffin III are here <laughs> with me to talk football. We've got Dominique Foxworth going to be hanging out with us to talk some football. Tim Legler is going to be along to talk some hoops. But we have to start with the game of the night in the NFL. It is the Ravens against the Niners on Christmas night. Let's pick it up with a Niners First and 10 from the Baltimore 15. You see Brock Purdy here. The Niners, it would not be his night. He fires this one over the middle. Picked by Kyle Hamilton. It's the first time Purdy's ever thrown an interception when targeting Debo Samuel. Well, there's three guys back here. You probably want to throw those three white here. That was a bad sign of things to come. Early second quarter, Niners up 5-3. First and 10 from the Ravens 37. Purdy tries to hit Samuel again. Passes tipped in the air and picked by Marlon Humphrey. That's two times now. Tip balls get picked. It is now becoming a trend. First time Purdy's thrown multiple picks in the first half of the game in his career. Ensuing Ravens drive, they cash it in with a Gus Edwards touchdown run. Makes it 10-5. Just over eight minutes to play in the second. Same score, third and five for the Niners. Purdy back to pass. Spins away from the pressure. Freestyling. Looks for Kittle, but yeah, guess what? Tip balls get picked. What's that saying about throwing across your body? That was not a replay. That was uh, Kyle Hamilton's second interception of the game and Brock Purdy's third. Later in the quarter. 49ers now down 13 to 5 after a Ravens field goal, second and two. Christian McCaffrey, this is a good play. They yeah. should run more of this. Yeah, probably should be their plan more Christian often McCaffrey. than the other way, right? Niners on the cusp. They handed it to McCaffrey. Very next play, first and goal. What do they do? Wow. Hand it to McCaffrey. Their most valuable player. This yeah. is what one might say. Niners cut the lead to 13-12. Early third quarter, Ravens up 16 to 12. They got a first and 10 from the San Francisco 44. This is Jackson faking the handoff. Steps up in the pocket and then finds Gus Edwards. That's a 39-yard catch and run. Puts the Ravens deep in Niners territory again. Baltimore doing everything they wanted on offense. Later in the drive, you got a second and goal from the six. Jackson steps up, rolls left, finds Nelson Aguilar in the end zone for the touchdown. I don't think you're ready for this, Nelly. <laughs> Ravens starting to pull away. Ravens up 23-12. to Next Niners possession, first and 10 from their own 25. Purdy throwing to McCaffrey, but instead he throws it to Patrick Queen. He's on the other team. Queen breaks a few tackles, takes it down inside the 10-yard line. Ravens with four interceptions in a game for the first time since 2017. Purdy, the first Niners quarterback with a four-pick game since Colin Kaepernick in 2015. Ensuing Ravens drive, first and goal from the nine. Jackson's going to fake the pitch, find the rookie. Zay Flowers for the touchdown. Flowers going to do a Grinch thing here. Stealing the presents, stealing Christmas from the 49ers. Come on. Ravens run away. They win this one 33-19. Lamar had 252 yards and a couple of touchdowns. And this is what it sounded like in the locker room after the game. That was a team win. All right, you got the lead, you got to stop. You extended the lead, you got to stop. You extended the lead, you got to stop. You closed them out, all right? Yeah. It takes a team to win an MVP award. Yeah. All right, but I know who the MVP is. Yeah. It's Lamar Jackson. MVP, 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 MVP. 
<laughs> so, all right, well, they went there. Let's go there. We, yeah. I, I, feel like, I feel like this changes every single week. I feel like every single Tuesday we're sitting here talking about a different MVP front runner. Are the Ravens right? Yes, the Ravens are right. Lamar Jackson is not just the MVP frontrunner. He snatched that bad boy last night. And, and really what it came down to for me was the fact that Lamar was the best player on the field. More times than not, that's going to be the case. But he took what the defense gave him. They out-schemed the San Francisco 49ers. And I want to show you that scheme here on a play on the touchdown pass that he had to Zay Flowers. Right here, the defense doesn't know if this is going to be a toss pitch outside or if it's going to be sprint option for Lamar Jackson. But look at all the eyes that are in the backfield, and it opens up this massive hole behind it. And Lamar, boom, just like that, Johnny on the spot makes a throw. Now you see Zay Flowers throw his hand up here at the very top of his route, which makes me think this was not his original route, mm. which makes it mean that him and Lamar Jackson are on the same page in the most intense situations in a the game. They're seeing it the same exact way. But that's part of what makes Lamar Jackson the MVP. The biggest growth he's had this moment, uh, g- growth moment he's had this year has been his maturation in taking the check down. Sometime as a game-changing quarterback, you always want to make that game-changing play. Lamar has learned that now all he has to do at times is just manage the game the right way, and you'll get the results that he had. Nick, what are you seeing from Lamar? Is he, is he the MVP in your eyes right now? Yeah, it seemed obvious last night that Lamar Jackson was the engine to that offense. The defense played well, created a lot of turnovers, but what Lamar did when they didn't blitz against that defensive line that the 49ers had, his ability to buy time and make plays, and what he did when they did blitz was make quick decisions to get the ball out of his hands. I think for a lot of quarterbacks with athleticism anywhere close to Lamar Jackson, they end up holding onto the ball a little too long, and Lamar did that maybe once last night, but by and large, he was buying time, allowing the receivers to to get open even when the play design wasn't as perfect as it was in that video that uh, RG3 just showed us. Open and shut, right, Jeff? MVP? Uh, no, no, not open. Oh, oh what? I, 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 listen, I'm, I'm all for Lamar played fantastic. They dominated that game. Five turnovers on defense obviously helps towards uh, th- those numbers. But when you look at the MVP in, in totality, I would say that Christian McCaffrey, I would say Tyreek Hill if he ends up getting 2,000 yards. Like, when you look at Lamar's numbers – Overall, like he's 15th in passing. I know he leads. He's got 700 yards rushing. He does the thing his team. He's the most valuable player on his team. There's no doubt. And if the award goes to the best or, or the most or, or the quarterback on the best team in the league, Lamar definitely is going to win that, right? But if, if you're looking at this as a as an award that could go to someone other than a quarterback. Look no further than the running back on the other team last night, yeah. who well, Purdy's giving the ball away at a at a, a an easy clip. McCaffrey played great again, right? I mean, this guy has over 100 yards rushing. He's involved in the pass game. He's going to complete drives, score touchdowns. It's what the guy does. So, do I love Lamar? Absolutely. But am I handing it to him? If I'm John Harbaugh, I'm doing the same speech he sure. did, right? You know, cameras are in there. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going for my guy as well, and he he's in the conversation. But if it's a quarterback award, Lamar will get it. If it goes to you know, if Hill gets 2,000, which I'm not sure he will because of the injury, or McCaffrey stays on the pace he does, if it's the most valuable player in the game, I mean, McCaffrey's got almost 1,400 yards rushing. Yeah. He's got over 500 pass. He's got 21 touchdowns. Like, you look at all the things the guy has done. Uh, same for Hill. If Hill gets over 2,000, it's just those numbers are crazy. 
We saw the graphic was up. I hope we can put it back up with the MVP odds right now. Uh, Lamar now the favorite. Last week, Purdy was the favorite. Uh, so you can see how volatile this has been uh, week to week. It's just that kind of year uh, in that MVP old, race. Oh, Purdy might be out. I'm not sure you even want to waste that plus 1,400. After, Purdy is uh, not. He, he, <laughs> a four-interception night will bang up your MVP odds, yes. I think, uh, especially late in the season, especially at yeah. this time in the season. So I, I do want to talk about the 49ers, though. Like, yep. I mean, we, this was unstoppable juggernaut team like who can possibly do anything like uh, it was last night we the game we play is bad game or bad sign what was that for the Niners last yeah I think it was a bad game for the 49ers listen at the end of the day if you didn't love that game last night you just don't like football amen right it was a physical affair one in the trenches and the thing that popped out to me at least from the 49ers was it felt like they were trying to win the MVP whereas the Ravens were just trying to win the game. Mm. So Brock Purdy, obviously the three tip picks. Listen, there's nothing you can do about that. But the way that they played, they, the, the numbers support the fact that they tried to run the ball with Christian McCaffrey. Right. But they weren't as consistent early, early in the game running the ball with Christian McCaffrey when they had success doing it. So to me, seeing Brock push the ball down the field, one run, three play action passes instead of two runs and two play action passes, they have to get back to just trying to win the football game and not worry about the numbers that are going to come along with that. I just thought that Brock Purdy did the one thing that Lamar didn't. He forced some things Amen. down the field that he didn't need to. Yeah. And the Ravens took some advantage of it. Well, I think, I think early on you saw it, right? You get down to the red zone, and we just talked about what McCaffrey has done so well. Yeah. And, and, and listen, you're throwing a ball into – I mean, there's no – I don't care who, how long you've been playing quarterback. You can right. look at that. When he threw the ball, I'm screaming, no, 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 <laughs> on TV. You're seeing a whole lot of white jerseys back there. I think the moment for Brock Purdy, once that interception happened, you saw him begin to press, right? And, you know, so he's, he sees there's going to be a blitz off, so he pulls the ball, which is the right call. He didn't have a good window. Like, at some point, like, to, to, to Robert's point about sometimes the best play is to pull it down, try to get what you can get, let's play the next down instead of right. trying to force things. He started to try to force balls in there. He's running the sideline, throwing across his body. Again, it hits Kittle, and there's another interception from him on the ground. All of those are plays where you're trying to make the big play. Correct. And, and, and from where he sat, again, you're doing more to hurt your team than help your team in those type of situations. Nick, did the uh, did, uh, Ravens expose something here for the 49ers? Is this a sign of trouble for them? Well, I mean, it's only a sign of trouble if the 49ers have to keep playing the Ravens every week because it seemed like yeah. 49ers punch everybody in the mouth and out-physical every team they play, but they couldn't do that to the Ravens. And not to say that they aren't as physical as the Ravens. They are. But a lot of teams crumble under that pressure that the 49ers had, and we saw a different version of the 49ers last night. Once Brock threw that, uh, that red zone interception against what it looked like was cover six. It seemed like the play calling got a little less aggressive, a little bit more yeah. conservative to protect Brock Purdy. And then there were some unlucky tips that ended up in interceptions. And the Ravens, excuse me, the 49ers defense was the most concerning part about last night's game is it felt like they were fighting hard early to create those uh, red zone stops, but they couldn't hold on for the course of the entire game. And their D-line has historically been the strength of that defense, but they had little to no impact on last night's game. And if they're not going to win in the places where they have advantages – then they're not going to beat very many teams. Fortunately, there aren't a lot of teams like the Ravens in the NFL.
Yeah, let, let, me, let me say this about last night. One point he just brought up. I think where you can say Lamar differentiates himself from every other quarterback in the game. We used to talk about Tom Brady and Peyton Manning being able to manipulate the pocket. Yeah. Lamar Jackson is as good as anybody in the league. of manip- That's what made their pass rush ineffective. Because mm-hmm. it's the slight step, yeah. the slight yeah. bend. It's all that. It's not just his leg. It's, it's the ability to move and keep his eyes down the field that made that pass rush struggle. And we're going to dive more into that later in the show. But that was one of three big NFL games uh, on Christmas Day. And when we come back, we're going to talk about one of the other ones. The truth hurts for the Eagles. The losing streak is over. But are there still big problems in Philly? And can they get them fixed? And speaking of big problems, a meltdown from Mahomes and the Chiefs in Kansas City. What the heck is going on? And can they get it fixed? We'll talk about that. You're watching Get Up on ESPN. Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Get Up is brought to you by National Car Rental. Go national. Go like a pro. Giants play the Eagles on Christmas Day. Uh, let's pick it up here. Under 12 minutes left in the second quarter. Eagles up 10 to 3. Second and 10 of the Giants, 36. Jalen Hurts to Devontae. Look at the block. Okay, okay. Batman. We see that you. again, Graz. You might see it again. That's a 36-yard touchdown. Eagles up 14. Opening kickoff of the third quarter. Eagles lead 20-3. And really, the only thing that could go wrong here is if they yeah. can't get out of their own way, which they literally can't. What are you doing? Alameda Zacchaeus runs into Boston Scott while Scott's trying to return the kickoff. Ball's loose. I mean, what? Isaiah Simmons, like, Bad sure, Bears right sure, Bears play. I'll take that. Boston Tea Party they wanted. Giants take over. Now, Tyrod Taylor's in the game of quarterback, replacing Tommy DeVito. Third and three at the seven-yard line. Saquon Barkley for Walk the in. touchdown. 
Giants with accepting the Christmas gift. Cut it to 2010. 21 seconds left in the third. Same score. Hurts picked off by a Dory Jackson. That's unfortunate. Runs it all the way receiver, back. The receiver fell down, yeah. but how fast is Hurts? Holy cow. For real. Very fast. Ain't got a penalty. I thought at least if you get penalty, pull him down. Call for a horse collar on the quarterback. How about that? You don't see that very often. Early fourth quarter. Eagles third and 20 at their own 26. This is Hurts to A.J. Brown. Oh, Did we like that throw? So nice. We got to see it twice. Ooh. Yeah, let's let's take another look at that one because okay. it was just about perfect. Find the Wi-Fi connection and airdrop a beauty. <laughs> Later in the drive, first and goal at the six. This is DeAndre for the touchdown. We call that breaking ankles, Gross. Breaking ankles there. Eagles up 27-18. 5.33 left in the game. Giants second to five at their 30. Down 30 to 18. Taylor to Darius Slade. The Giants would not go away. Oh my goodness, that's not looking good for the all-white team, man. That is a 70. <laughs> that's our guy out there getting exposed. Come on, seventy-yard touchdown. Giants down by eight. One last chance with four seconds left. Taylor's going to air it out into the end zone. It's going to get picked off by Keely Ringo. Take another look here. You can see Barkley falls down in the back of the end zone. Tyrod wanted a flag, did not get one. Eagles survive and win 33 to 25. Hurts had 301 yards and a touchdown. Devontae Smith, though, not thrilled. Yeah, we got to live wins. I'm not happy. It needs to be better for what I want to do, what everybody else in here wants to do, where we want to be. We're nowhere near that. Yeah, I mean, if you just woke up and read the box score, you'd think the Eagles had a monster day. They scored 33 points and had 465 yards of offense, most they've had in a game since week three. However, uh, some of the frustrations, probably because the Eagles couldn't seem to finish off drives. Of their four longest drives of the night, three ended in field goals, and the other ended in that pick six to uh, Adoree Jackson. So, look, it's the Eagles. Like, we know the Eagles are good, right? They're in first place. They were in the Super Bowl last year. It's not, we're not, we're not like, like picking them apart because we don't think they're a good team. Right. They're trying to get back to the Super Bowl and win it. So, the right. questions are about are they good enough to do it? So, after they win and yep. break their losing streak, do you feel better about them, worse yep. about them, or about the same? I think I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum. I, I, I actually feel much better about the Eagles. I will say this, though. They're late in the season right now, still trying to figure out who they are. Hmm. Yeah. So, Dan, I ask you this question. Um, have you ever been windsurfing? Uh, no. Me neither, all right? But I'm not going to go out and try to windsurf in the middle of the ocean <laughs> no. if I don't know how to do that, right? I'm going right. to stay by the shore. Take I'm going to get the hang of it. I'm going to sure. know my strengths and my weaknesses. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm going to go into the deep water. Mm -hmm. Right now, the Eagles are in deep water, and they don't know how to windsurf. And here's the problem. When I watched the game in the first half, they had their best first half of the season. Mm. 20 points, most points they've scored in the first half all year. They were running the football, utilizing play action, and utilizing RPO. Yeah. Then in the second half, it all changed, kind of changed when Jalen Hurts didn't run out of bounds uh, right before the half, and they didn't get another opportunity to take a shot into the end zone. But this team's identity, I know it, you know it, Dom knows it, Jeff knows it, all the fans in the stands know it. <laughs> it's to run the freaking football. First and second down, they're one of the best teams in the league, fourth in the league in uh, you know, positive run percentage. But they're 21st in frequency. This team has to get back yep. to being the brute force of running the football, and that's going to help their defense as well because their defense was playing lights out in the first half. Nick, I know how uh, Saturday feels about this idea about the Eagles have to run the football. So <laughs> yes, I'd like to go to you first. Uh, a, uh, have you ever been windsurfing? And B, how do you feel about the Eagles? <laughs> hey, hey, speaking of the all-white team. After last night. <laughs> I've never 
I've never been windsurfing. I don't even know what that is, but I do know that Jeff's probably right and RG3's probably right. Uh, they got to get physical and run the football. They had trouble stopping the run against a pretty one-dimensional team yesterday. It's concerning. So while um, Robert still has faith in that team going forward, I think I agree with the other thing that he said was that they don't really have an identity and their identity is a bit gone. They're a bit shaky when it comes in those big moments. I can't imagine Jalen Hurts just having a brain lapse like he did before halftime. That seems uncharacteristic for him. And there's so many things that seem uncharacteristic for this team all season, but they've happened all season. So we have to kind of accept, yeah, maybe they don't know who they are, but we kind of know who they are. They're an okay team. They're not as good or nowhere near as great as they were last year. They're okay, and that doesn't bode well for a team that has to rip through the entire NFC. They're not getting a bye, and they're going to have to face the 49ers at some point. Despite the fact the 49ers looked rough last night, they still are a physical bunch yeah. that loves to run the ball. If you can't stop the run against the Giants, you're going to struggle to do it against the 49ers. I think that's the point, right? I mean, like three, four weeks from now, the Eagles are going to be playing playoff games against playoff teams. The Giants are not going to be one of them. Right? right, so like they they didn't exactly put them away easily. Like, what what do we take out of yesterday for them? Well, I'm gonna say this. I'm I'm, I'm leaning more towards uh, Robert than I am Fox, and here's why. If you look at this football team, they are the only team in the NFL to beat four teams this year that have nine wins or more. Right? Mm-hmm. They beat Miami, they beat Dallas, they beat Buffalo, they beat Kansas City. If I'm calculating right, all those teams minus Buffalo are going to be in the playoffs. So they have beaten playoff teams. So if you're looking at this football team right now, you go, we haven't played our best. We are still trying to figure it out. However, we we have won some games against some really good ones. Listen, it is hard to go to a Super Bowl and then try to get back to a Super Bowl. They are doing something that is very rarely done, that they're still in the mix, still battling, speaks volumes about what this team is about. They're not happy about the way they won, not because of offensively other than the field goals, but, man, you can't turn the ball over the way they have on special teams. A lot of things that they did weren't, weren't polished. But, man, winning matters. Yeah. Getting on a hot streak matters going to playoffs, and they can beat anybody. Yeah, Jeff, I think your point there is, is so important for the fans at home to understand. They have 11 wins. Yeah. Yes. They are upset, and we're kind yeah. of going – We're, seed, we're right? talking about them in this way because but, they made it to the Super Bowl last year. Right. Not because those 11 wins don't matter, and I think that's why Devontae Smith feels the way that he does. They want to be playing better right now, and they're not. Yeah, I think that's the key, right? We're not talking, I mean, we're not, again, we're not asking, are they good? We know they're good, but they want to get back to the Super Bowl. Neek, when you look at the rest of the NFC playoff field, like, who do you like them to beat? Yeah, that's the tough thing about predicting what's going to happen in the playoffs this year is I think that the Eagles could beat anyone, including the 49ers, but I don't know if they can beat everyone. That's the concerning part. When they make the mistakes that they've been making all season long, at some point that's going to come up and bite you in a bad moment against a good team. So would I be incredibly shocked if they made it back to the Super Bowl? No, it wouldn't like blow my mind because, as I mentioned, they're capable of beating anyone. But do I think it's likely? Would I bet on it? Hell no. Not the way that they make mistakes in, in, at this point in the season. They're playing bad football at the most important time of the season. He's tight on he's tight on that cash too though. Don't don't don't, don't let that be the deciding factor. He's tight on that cash. You don't want to bet like that. You know what I mean? My man still got the first dollar he ever made. Just look at it. it's probably on the wall behind him. But make no, they, they still beat some good squads. They played basketball yesterday on Christmas too. We come back and talk a little hoops. LeBron has a blunt assessment on the state of the Lakers after a Hollywood beatdown by Boston. Tim Legler will be here to talk about it. But first, we will talk about the Chiefs. Is it all falling apart for Patrick Mahomes? after yesterday's upset.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets but expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Back on Get Up, Raiders and Chiefs played a game yesterday, but it looked like nobody told the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes, uh, Taylor Swift is in attendance. Uh, she would not be thrilled with what she saw. Five minutes left in the second quarter. What are the Chiefs doing here? Oh my. Good play. Backed up. Yeah. What are we doing? Well, Bilal Nichols enjoyed it because he got to pick up the ball and run it in for a touchdown. Big man scoring. We got to like that, though. You know what I mean, Grass? Raiders up 9-7 at that point. Here's the next offensive play for the Chiefs, and that is also a Raiders touchdown. Jack Jones. So that is two consecutive Chiefs offensive plays that resulted in touchdowns for the other team. Yeah, watch him Jack Jones down. staring him down on the way in. What are, The Raiders just went in there and punched him in the face. Next, Chiefs possession, third and five from their own 48. Mahomes going to drop back to throw it to, uh, who's he throwing this to, Robert? He's, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So on the sideline after the play, Travis Kelsey uh, throws his helmet. Very upset. Losing in front of his girlfriend. When a staffer tries to return the helmet to Kelsey, Andy Reid says, no, he can't have that. He's in trouble. Uh, Reid and Kelsey have words. Andy Reid not happy with Ooh, that. Oh, with I mean, it was a bad day for the Chiefs. Under three minutes left in the game, they're down 20 to seven. They got a third and goal, and here's Mahomes to Justin Watson. That's and it's, incredible play. It's still Mahomes, right? Like incredible somewhere play. at the bottom of all this, it is still Mahomes. Oh. So they're down by six. They got to get a stop. And what happens is they don't. Zamir White filling in for Josh Jacobs is going to just slice right through that excellent Chiefs defense. That is a 43-yard gain uh, that allows the Raiders to kneel down and uh, run out the clock. Raiders upset the Chiefs 20-14. to Kelsey's confused. Mahomes confused. Taylor Swift is confused. Nobody knows what's going on. Look, they still have Mahomes. I want to underline that, but so this could all change. But their offense is a problem. Yesterday was the seventh game this year where they've scored fewer than 20 points. In Mahomes' first five years with the Chiefs, from 2018 to 22, they scored fewer than 20 points a combined six times. Wow. And they've done it seven times this year. So that is an issue. Wow. And uh, I guess here's what Mahomes had to say about it. I still believe that we can we can go do what we want to do. It's just uh, how can we correct it as quickly as possible. If we clean it up, we'll be able to score points. It's just we got to clean it up. We're two games left. You have to do it. And if we don't, we'll be going home. So I think if we clean it up, uh, we'll have – if we clean it up, we can beat anybody. Uh, I truly believe that. Um, but uh, we got to prove that we can do it. He sounds like me when I get home today. We got a lot of cleaning up to a lot do of after uh, after yesterday's uh, <laughs> festivities. Uh, Neek, I mean, what? Look, they, they're going to the playoffs. It's the Chiefs, right? Like, so, do you yeah. still believe 
that they could that they can turn this around and get themselves back to the Super Bowl, or has that ship sailed? Well, we could blame the receivers every other week until now. Now it seemed yep. like everyone caught whatever it was that the receivers had, including Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> and that turnover that he threw was a great play by Jones. Uh, that pick six right here, it looks like cover three. And he made an aggressive play because the flat defender wasn't going to make it out there. But that's not something that we normally see out of Patrick Mahomes. And as much as we want to credit that great Chiefs defense, they couldn't stop the run when they needed to. And I know it wasn't their fault the reason why they lost yesterday, but you expect a championship team like that to get the ball back to their quarterback in those moments. I'm not optimistic for the Chiefs going forward, but a lot of what's happening in NFL right now feels like there are no great teams, especially in the AFC, with the exception of one team at the top on both sides. So, yeah, again, Patrick Mahomes is still on that team underneath all that slop that we saw yesterday. So they should be excited about that. They still have the greatest gift that was ever given to the NFL playing quarterback, even though he played poorly yesterday. They do. But but what do they specifically need to do differently if yeah. they are going to maximize that, to actually take advantage of it this year? Yeah, I mean, I think it first starts with a statement of the Chiefs are the most beatable they've ever been mm. with Patrick Mahomes as yeah. their quarterback. And to answer your question, Graz, they have to stop chasing expectations. Right now, we're so used to seeing the Chiefs there be a high-flying, explosive go. offense. That's not their reality this year. They didn't go get DeAndre Hopkins in the offseason. Juju Smith-Schuster is no longer there, who was a security blanket for Patrick Mahomes, opposite of Travis Kelsey. They are a defensive football team. Their defense did play lights out. They didn't get the stop when they needed to, but they're a top-five defensive football team. And I watched the Chiefs on offense when they were doing some of those trick plays, guys. And I'm like, this is, you're getting way too cute, right? Yeah. right? In order to be cute, like with the play calling, you first have to be cute on offense. Yeah. And they're not cute at all, right. right? They're putting lipstick on a pig. So when I watch them go about this, I want to see them build their concepts on top of each other, try to play more high percentage football, get yeah. their guys in the right, uh, right spots. And right now I feel like with Andy Reid, they're dropping back to pass. 69% of the time, that's the highest of his entire coaching career. Mm. They have to get back to running the football again. And I know running the football is typically the thing that everybody says they need to do. But for what the Chiefs have this year at wide receiver in the pass catching spots, they need to run the ball, play to their defense, and yeah. understand that they're not going to be the same teams that they were in the past. Yeah, you, you always hear about complementary football and the way that it should be played. And that's exactly what Robert's talking about, right? Is you you got to figure this thing out and understand. But I, I will tell you from a guy who's been on you know, some of the most explosive offenses in NFL history, it is a hard mindset to change. And what has happened for the Chiefs and to, and to what uh, Robert was just talking about, you feel forced to go make those explosive plays. Yep. They're 26 in the league in explosive plays. They miss Eric Bieniemy. They miss the mm. attitude that he brought from the sideline. Yep. That go get him, here we go. And, and, and obviously their receivers aren't playing at the par. Last Yesterday, Mahomes had Mahomes not turned the ball over twice. They win this game, right? Like that, so so you, got, you can't blame that on the receivers, right? So as you look at this football team, Kelsey being upset, slamming his helmet down. Uh, you know, Mahomes on the side, everybody screaming. You could feel the pressure building. And by the way, the game started out yeah. with almost a missed handoff Correct. off the jump. So, like, it wasn't like this team was just dialed in from the get-go. It felt like everybody, everybody enjoyed Christmas morning and then came over to the game and were like, the Raiders are an afterthought. We beat them 25 times in a row. I know it was like 12 or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. But here we go, you know. And, and unfortunately, the Raiders didn't get that message. They were in the hotel, all focused in and locked in, yeah. and came out and put the beat down on them. Yeah, two things there. Yeah, real quick. First of all, Andy Reid, if you get the Hamburglar mad 
yeah. the sideline, and yeah. he's, like, he's like giving shoves. You know there's some problems there in Kansas there's City. Yeah. And then, two, I think this game honestly showed why they need the Sour Patch Kid, Kadarius Toney. Yeah. Right. When he's not playing well and he's making drops and getting in and, and causing interceptions, he can really hurt that team. But when he's sweet, man, oh, my gosh, he adds another element mm. to that offense that they have been missing. And this is why I think Andy Reid is not willing to give up on him. They're struggling with and without him. So you might as yeah. well play him. I appreciate the ex- explanation on Sour Patch Kid. I wasn't following <laughs> it. So, RG taking care of the audience there uh, with some gifts. Uh, <laughs> Santa Claus. Hey, as I mentioned, there was some hoops played yesterday, including uh, the Lakers and the Celtics. LeBron James taking on Jason Tatum. Here they are, all smiles, having fun before the game. Over halfway through the second quarter, now Lakers down by six. LeBron finds Anthony Davis for the three. Mm. That cuts the lead to three. Davis would have 40 points and 13 boards in this game. This is Drew Holiday to Kristaps Porzingis for the three. Celtics lead by one at the half. Early third quarter, Lakers down by one. LeBron's going to back down Holiday and lay it in. That puts the Lakers up by a point. Still doing it. Later in the third, though, Celtics up by three. Jalen Brown with a slam. He would have 19 points in this one. A lot of, lot of balanced scoring for the Celtics. Under five left in the third, Celtics up four. This is Tatum with the lay-in. Celtics up by six. Five minutes left in the fourth. They're now up by ten. And this now they're having some fun. This is Derek White, the Tatum, the lob, and the slam. Celtics win 126-115. Tatum at 25-8-7. LeBron at 16-9-8 and said this. I don't think we're healthy right now. I don't think we're where we want to be to compete versus the, the top teams until we continue to get better and better, continue to work our habits. And uh, for us, we're still trying to you know, figure our situation out as far as how we want to continue to attack each game. So, um, you know, but we'll be better. LeBron tied a season low yesterday with 16 points and continues a trend of the Lakers coming up short when James can't be Superman. They are 6-1 this season when he scores more than 30 points, but 8-13 when he does not reach that number. Tim Legler, as I promised, is with us now to discuss all things NBA. Legs, LeBron acknowledging after that game that the Lakers are not ready right now to compete with the NBA's best. When you watch that game, what do you see as the difference between these two teams right now? Yeah, I think he's being honest. I think he's being accurate because I think the difference between particularly the Lakers and the Boston Celtics right now is the, is the guys after the stars. We know LeBron and AD, when, when they're healthy and playing well, they're going to give you a chance every night. But what about that next layer? And when I look at Boston's guys after Tatum and Brown, you look at a Derek White, you look at a Porzingis, you look at a Drew Holiday. These three players are two-way, multi-dimensional players that can beat you a number of ways and impact the game defensively. So it's one thing to have your top guys play well. You're going to need a lot of help. And that's where Boston has the most depth They've got the most versatility, and you look at what they've added to this team that's been so close over the last two years. You get a Derek White, you get a Przingis, you get a Drew Holiday, three guys capable on any given night of giving you 20, but they also impact the game defensively at a high level. Right now, Boston, because of that, is in a different league than the Lakers, and I think you really saw that yesterday. Different league than the Lakers, but I mean, are you willing right now to look at Boston and say this is we're watching the best team in the league when we put them on? Yeah, this is the best team in the NBA. I don't really think it's debatable right now. I I think you've got teams like Milwaukee that would be on the next shelf. You've got a team like Denver that we know what they're capable of. They won a championship, and they've got great core continuity in that starting five. But I don't think anybody is playing at the level of the Boston Celtics right now. They went out and added two players that now give them 
basically a, a way to play offensively that no other team can match because they can beat you from the three-point line. They can beat you with points in the paint. They can beat you with isolation basketball. They can get to the line. Or if need be on a given night, they can lock you down because of the versatility defensively and the rim protection that they still have with Porzingis. So to lose a guy like Marcus Smart and replace him with a Drew Holiday, so basically you get the same defensive presence, but you add actually more offensively to go get a Porzingis when you lose Robert Williams, you get the same level rim protection, but you get a much better offensive player. That is what the Boston Celtics have gone out and done, and that is why right now this is the best team in the NBA. Celtics, as you mentioned, been so close the last couple of years, really still trying to get over that last postseason hump. Things are looking good for them right now. Long way to go. We will see if they can finish it off this year. More hoops when we come back on the show later. But when we come back from this break, we're going to talk about the Dallas Cowboys. Are they on the road to nowhere? Has their defense been exposed by Miami and Buffalo? We're talking about it next on Get Up. Back on Get Up, and it's time for Overreaction Tuesday. Dominique, if I said the Buffalo Bills will win the AFC East, is that an overreaction? Yeah, that's definitely an overreaction. Can they? It's possible, and they, yeah. need, to, they need the Dolphins to lose against the Ravens and also to go beat the Dolphins. I think the Bills are playing a lot better at this point in the season. However, I do understand that they still have some flaws, so I'm not sure that they're this juggernaut that I think we've made them out to be. We saw that come true when they're playing against the Chargers. If they beat the Patriots and the Dolphins lose, then that Week 18 game in Miami is for the division title. Robert, Kenny Pickett will be the Steelers quarterback next season. Is that an overreaction? It is not an overreaction. I don't think Kenny Pickett is a lost cause. Uh, he has a winning record as a starter there for Pittsburgh. Now, if Mason Rudolph continues to lead Santa Slay like he did this past week, it's going to be a very interesting offseason. But no, whether they stick with Kenny Pickett or draft one of those guys high, they have to bring in an OC who's going to utilize this skill group they've been criminally underused this year. One, more, one more win, and that Mike Tomlin streak of non-losing seasons continues for another year. Jeff, Saturday, the Cowboys' defense will prevent them from making a Super Bowl run. Is that an overreaction? It's an overreaction. Big time overreaction. Listen, they actually played pretty well against the Dolphins. The last drive was the one I was disappointed in, but this is not a team that you're going to be that concerned with your defense. They can rush the passer. If they can bull up a little bit against the run, this team can make noise in the playoffs. Nick, do you agree with Jeff? Are you, are you not worried about the Cowboys' defense? You still believe they have a championship-caliber defense after what we've seen the last couple of weeks? Yeah, absolutely. I think the game against the Bills was horrendous and atrocious. That was ugly, but that was not uh, something that we've seen from them week in and week out. And I agree with Jeff. They need to be able to get a stop in that last drive. However, you're playing against good teams, and they're going to come down to late-game situations. They played well enough as a team yesterday, yesterday to be in that game and to win that game. It reminds me a lot of that game in Philly that they lost, where it, it came down to the field not being an inch wider. It's those small margins that are sometimes based on luck and you can't control them. That'll decide the game. There are no teams. Again, I feel like a broken record, but outside of the 49ers and the NFC, there's no team that's just far and away better than everyone else. And the 49ers can be beaten, as we saw last night. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when I look at the Dallas Cowboys, it, it really just boils down to guts. It's not about scheme. It's not about personnel. It's about a mindset. So when you look at the guys that they have, Demarcus Lawrence, Micah Parsons, Deron Bland, Stephon Gilmore, J. Ron Curse, 
Uh, these guys just have to make a decision that they're not going to get their face ran through. When you look at the Bills, they ran all over mm -hmm. them. The 49ers ran all over yeah. them. The Cardinals early in the year ran all over them. To yeah. me, that's just a mindset <clears throat> from them because when we get to the playoffs, Jeff, you know this, it's not so much about the X's and the O's anymore. Right. It's about the Jimmys and the Joes. The Cowboys have those guys, a plethora Absolutely. of them on defense. So when you look at them statistically, they're fifth in points per game, fifth in passing yards given up, and they're seventh in sacks. Right. Right? They are playing high-level defense. Absolutely. But when they're playing against the best competition, for whatever reason, they go out there and they get deboed. They have to make that mindset change, and that has nothing to do with what Mike McCarthy is preaching. It has nothing to do with uh, the great calls that they're giving on defense. It has everything to do with those guys making a decision that we are no longer going to get pushed around at the point of attack, and they got to start doing that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. We did, we, uh, Ryan Clark and I talked about this yesterday on Get Up, and we talked about putting Micah Parsons back at Mike Linebacker and what that does for their mm -hmm. defense, right, and keeping him all off the edge at times on maybe first or second down to give them that guy in the middle who can really go sideline to sideline. And listen, get Miami a ton of credit. They performed when it mattered most. Third down, they made big calls. Mike McDaniel called a great game, especially that last drive. And then they finished with two runs that everybody in the business knew they were running and the Cowboys couldn't stop it. But when you look at this defense, they are going to make some tweaks when it comes to playoff time. And I think those little things for them could be the difference maker in playoff games. They've had problems against better teams. They've had problems on the road. Neek, do you trust this Cowboys team if it has to go on the road in the playoffs and win games? Well, yeah, I think it depends on where they go. I think it, what right. matters less is whether they have to get on a plane to go play, but it's where that plane lands. If it lands in San Francisco, <laughs> I don't know that I trust them. If it lands in Tampa Bay, I like the Cowboys. So I yeah. think it comes down to the opponent a lot more than it comes down to the crowd noise or having to leave the state of Texas. RG, you buying the home road thing with the Cowboys? No, I mean, I think it's a real thing. But yeah. like we talked about, the, the home field advantage for them is, you know, that's, that's out the wazoo at this right. point. Yeah, so, Eagles would have to lose. Yeah. yeah. So for, for the Cowboys, like I said, it just comes back to the personnel that they have. Agree. We in the media, like I, you guys are great at your job. We're all great at what we do. But we create these narratives that end up being talked about. Right. So it's on the Cowboys' radar that, for sure. hey, we're not good on the road. Yeah. But when you get into the playoffs and it's win or go home, Home, away, that stuff doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. So do I trust the Cowboys to win a Super Bowl? I mean, that's a, it's a massive no because they've shown right. over the course of years that they're not equipped for that. But do I trust them to win a game, one game on the road in the playoffs? Yeah. Yes, I do. Yeah, let me, this other thing yeah real too, quick. Man. Not scoring on the goal line for, yeah. for you know, you, you pitch the ball Fumbling. out. It's a, it's a freaking wide open. And in the very next play, you fumble it yeah. and turn the ball over. Yeah. Like, those things, you one. can't blame the defense, right? <laughs> you got to make something happen. Yeah, that was a very costly play for the Cowboys. Got to score there. They Pollard has got to score. End up chasing it the rest of the game. So, we'll obviously see if the Cowboys can get their stuff together. They're going to be in the playoffs. The question is where they'll have to go and where those planes will land them. Hey, Bowl Mania rolls on today. We got three more games on ESPN, ESPN Deportes, and ESPN Plus starting at 2 Eastern with the Quick Lane Bowl between Bowling Green and Minnesota. Then you got Texas State and Rice in the Serve Pro First Responder Bowl. And we cap the day with the Kansas and UNLV in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. We hope you enjoy another great weekday of football here on ESPN. Basketball performance of the night. Luka Doncic and the Mavericks were taken on the Suns, and Luka had himself a Christmas. Five minutes left in the first quarter. 
He's two points away from scoring his 10,000th career point, so he's going to do it from way back there uh, from Grant Williams there. He eclipses 10,000 in his 358th game. That's the seventh fastest in league history at 38 through three quarters. Ten minutes left in the game. Mavs down by four. Luka draining the three on the wing. That's, yep, that pushes back. his total for the game to 41. Cuts the lead to one. Nine minutes left in the game. I'm sorry, under four minutes left in the game. Mavs down by seven. Doncic draws a double team, finds Lively, lays it in. Mavs up nine. Final minute of the game now. Mavs up 126 to 114. Doncic sitting on 48 points. So what's he going to do? Lighter. Bloop. 50. 50 for Luka on Christmas. He had 50, had 14 assists, he had six rebounds. Kevin Durant was frustrated after the loss. Mavs win by 14. NBA's been playing games on Christmas Day going back to the 1940s, and Doncic yesterday became just the fourth player to record 50 points on Christmas, joining Bernard King, Wilt Chamberlain, and Rick Barry. Pretty good list. And in case you didn't think he was spreading the Christmas cheer with his teammates, he dished out those 15 assists as well. We come back on Get Up A Monday Night Mauling, a Brock Purdy pit party. Lamar and the Ravens make a huge statement, and we are talking about it next on Get Up. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.